the gospel really is an amazing thing. It, um, it gives us the worst news and the best news at the same time. It actually confirms our worst fears about ourselves. That actually, yeah, we really are that bad. We, we really are so evil that someone would have to die for us in order to make us acceptable to God. And that at the same time, it tells us we really are so valuable and so loved that God was willing to die for us, to bring us near to him. And it does it all at the same time. So let the gospel confirm your worst fears about yourself. Yes, you are that evil. But let it also preach to you the best news you could ever hear. You are that loved and that valuable that God would send his son to rescue you. And we celebrate that every Sunday. So find uh, Luke chapter 21 in your Bible. And uh, thank you to the worship team for reminding us um, of those wonderful truths this morning. Um, If you're just joining us for the first time or for the first time in a while, we've made our way to Luke 21. Um, As we've been studying the gospel of Luke, we have been reminding ourselves all the way through of this beautiful future that's coming when the kingdom of God will be present in all of its fullness on this planet. kingdom of God was present in the person of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is present right now on earth in the Christian. The kingdom of God will be present on this earth in all of its fullness. What is that going to look like? What will that be like when that actually happens? Kindness and goodness will be pervasive. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Peace will settle over the entire earth. Evil will be banished. War and violence and fear will be no more. Life will flourish and death itself will die. And God, the creator, will be honored and will be present with us. So the kingdom of God, present in all of its fullness on this earth, will be life as it was always meant to be. That future kingdom of God will come to this planet, but getting there is going to be difficult. Getting there has been difficult and it will be difficult. We're going to read Jesus' description today of the difficulty that leads up to the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. He's going to describe some of the things that will happen. He's going to tell us what the outcome of all these things will be. And most importantly for us today, he's going to tell us um, what is required of us as we go through this process. Like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to feel? That's where we're going to spend most of our time today is considering the priorities that Jesus himself sets for us as we navigate the last days. And we're in the last days. We have been in the last days since Jesus was resurrected. So we're going to hear about all these priorities that he's going to set before us today. Now, look, reading biblical prophecy can be hard, okay? It can be really hard. cause all kinds of questions. It can be multi-layered. And we're going to try to keep it really simple and really high level today. Uh, more of an overview of Luke 21. Uh, more of a focusing on the big picture. 
Um, the passage itself um, is longer than we uh, typically read. I'm going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 36. But don't be overwhelmed as we read it, okay? It's going to be so many things are going to be flying fast at us. You'll think drinking you know, out of a fire hose is going to come hard. But don't get overwhelmed. We're going, to, we're going to try to make some really simple observations once we're finished reading it, okay? I, I do think there couldn't be a better time to look into these things together. Um, end times things as we see what's happening in Israel, as we see what's going on in the Middle East. Lots of questions come to our minds um, about what this all means in light of what the Bible says about the end times. So we'll talk a little bit about those things, all right? Okay, I want to invite you to just remain seated um, today for the reading since it is an extended reading, and then we'll get into it. Luke 21, uh, beginning in verse 5. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he, that's Jesus, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Said, let therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what's coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. 
As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Heavenly Father, you are good and you are wise. Please take these words of your Son and apply them to our hearts with power today. We ask you to help us understand what they mean. These... um, These pieces can be really hard for us to put together, Father, and even people who study them for a long time disagree about what exactly is meant in the timelines. And um, we just ask in your grace this morning that you would um, apply some solid truths to our heart that we can take refuge in as we observe the world around us and as we observe even our own hearts. Um, We will just trust you to do that. We ask you to do that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, that was a lot, wasn't it? Let's see if we can get a handle on the passage in in this way, okay? First, let's just ask the question, what is happening? What what are the events that are actually spoken of? Let's just recap and categorize what we're told will happen. And then after we do that, after we look at specific, specific events, let's think about what Jesus says is required of us as these events are happening. And then let's remind ourselves what the outcome of all this will be. Okay, so first, let's just think about what's happening. And let's put, let's put everything into three categories. Okay, we're, these are the three categories we'll use today. We could choose different ones, but we're just going to use these three categories of what's going to happen in the world. What are the world events that are spoken of? And then after that, what are the events that are going to happen in Jerusalem specifically? Because there are some things specific to Jerusalem. And then a third category is we're told some things that will happen in the lives of individual believers. Okay, so we'll just use those three categories. Whole earth, Jerusalem, individual believers. So let's think about the whole earth. What are we told is going to happen all over the world? According to verse 9 and verse 10, there will be wars. That's one thing that's going to be prevalent over the whole earth. According to verse 9, there will be tumults. What exactly does that mean? This can mean uh, rebellions, revolutions, chaos. This word that is translated tumults is probably best understood to mean the the general disordering of life as we know it. The unbinding of social fabric. Shakings. Times of great disorder that make us say things like, what on earth is going on? What's happening out there? Life seems turned upside down. Okay, that's the idea behind this word tumults, wars, 
tumults all over the earth. Also, we're told natural disasters. That's verses 11 and 25. Also, we're told distress and disease and need, verses 11 and 25. All all these things will be going on. Look at this list. Wars, tumults, natural disasters, distress, disease, and need all over the world. So, look, a complete unbinding of both the natural world and the social order. Do you understand how comprehensive this is? Like, look, that's everything. Social structures, unwinding. That's the idea behind tumults. Earthquakes, natural disasters, the roaring of the sea. Everything is falling apart. That's the idea. That's what it will seem like. Now now you know why we have things like verse 26. People fainting with fear and foreboding of what's coming on the world. Like, yeah, that would cause fainting with fear and foreboding. As we look at and think, everything is falling apart. What are we going to do? And that's why we have verse 9, Jesus' encouragement to his disciples, do not be terrified. I mean, that, why would he need to say that unless that will be our natural reaction, to just be absolutely terrified at what we see happening? You know, we love having control. I love the illusion of control in my life. Boy, I work at that really hard to try to maintain that illusion of controlling everything. This is complete lack of control. Everything will seem up for grabs. Well, what can we say about the timing? Like, when is this going to happen? Well, it's true that these things have been happening, and they will happen. It's, it's ongoing. They have happened. They are happening. They will happen. Some of the things he talks about are happening right now. Wars. Natural disasters. Revolutions. Earthquakes. They've happened in the past. They're happening now. Some of the things are definitely future. Like verse 25. Signs in sun and moon and stars. Those signs are tied to the Son of Man coming. That's Jesus. That hasn't happened yet. So we know that some of these things, when we're talking about world events, some of these things have happened. Some are yet to happen. And we'll say more about these worldwide events, especially the sign and sun, moon, and stars. Those are the worldwide things. The, um, let's move to the second category, this little, the middle part of the passage. It just talks about Jerusalem. What are we told will happen in in Jerusalem? In verse 20, we see that Jerusalem will be surrounded by enemies. We see in verses 20 and 24 that Jerusalem will be destroyed. There will be destruction. see in verse 24 that Jerusalem will be ruled by non-Jews or Gentiles. Jesus says that all these things will happen to Jerusalem. Now, again, when will they happen? Well, the answer to the when question, once again, the answer is that these things have already happened. And they will happen again. There was an almost immediate fulfillment of Jesus' words. Only about 40 years after he spoke these words, Jerusalem was surrounded and Jerusalem was destroyed. 
by Titus and the Roman armies. Everything he said here happened in 70 AD. Now, also, we understand from Old Testament prophecy that these things will happen again in the very, very end days. Ezekiel 38 and 39, Zechariah chapters 11 through 14. In those books, we read that in the very last days, Jerusalem will once again be surrounded by many nations. That the situation will be very dire. And at just this point, at the point when everything seems hopeless and a lost cause, Jesus himself, the Son of Man, will return to the Mount of Olives and save God's people and save Jerusalem. That's yet to happen. That's future. One of the things that's helpful to understand when you're reading biblical prophecy is that often there is a a near fulfillment followed by a future fuller fulfillment. A good example of this is Isaiah chapter 7 when Isaiah is um, talking to the the king and the, the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by armies and Isaiah says God is going to deliver you and here is the sign that God's going to deliver you and the prophecy that he gives is famous and you may not know that it's located right here in Isaiah 7 Isaiah says this will be the sign that God will deliver the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel right we say that at Christmas time as a reference to Jesus Christ and his birth But there was a near fulfillment of Isaiah's word. And when I say near, I mean short term. Not like an almost fulfillment, but a short term fulfillment. That in Isaiah's day, in his lifetime, the virgin conceived and bore a son. The virgin or the young maiden. So there was a a near fulfillment of that prophecy and there was a greater future fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. And that's the case with the prophecy about Jerusalem here. There was a near fulfillment of Jesus' words in AD 70. And there will be a greater future fulfillment when Jerusalem is surrounded again in the very last days. Only this time, God himself will save her. He will deliver his people. So the events regarding Jerusalem, like our first category, worldwide events, the events in Jerusalem have happened. And they will happen again. Now we're also told about things that will happen to individual disciples. This is our third category. We put all these events into different categories. We read that there will be persecution. That's verse 12. We read that there will be martyrdom. Verse 16. It's people killed for their faith in Jesus. And, of course, we can look at these two promises also and see that these things have happened and are happening and will continue to happen until Jesus returns. So there we are. Those are the events that Jesus describes. Some things worldwide, some things specific to Jerusalem, some things in the lives of individual believers. Do we have those things set in those three categories? I hope that's helpful. Now, what can we say in summary of these things, especially in regard to the events that we see happening in Israel right now, as as we sit here in this room? Israel's fighting to her north and to her south. 
It's not hard to see escalation happening, other countries becoming involved on different sides of the conflict. That's what we're all hoping, hoping won't happen. That's what we all realize could happen. This turning into a major, major conflict, even it's not hard to see the pathway to this turning into the final conflict. I mean, that's not hard to see at all. It's not hard to see the pathway to the end times conflict that the Bible describes will clearly happen. The surrounding of Jerusalem, nations from north and south gathering against Israel. It's very natural for us to sit here today and ask the question, well, is this it? Could this be it? Are we living in the very last days? And we would all like to have a definitive answer to that question. We Probably a lot of us would like to find someone out there who can speak authoritatively about it, who can discern everything that's going on, and be able to say, yes, this is it. We are living in the very last days. We might look for um, a pastor or a scholar or a blogger or someone who just read a lot on the subject to be able to survey everything and tell us for sure this is it. This is the final conflict. These are the very last days. We might like for that person to be present. That person is not going to be me. And I'll tell you why. Two reasons. First of all, we are specifically warned in this passage, verse 8, warned to not go after leaders who come speaking in Jesus' name, saying, the time is at hand. It's now. We're warned to avoid human leaders who come to us claiming to speak definitively and say, this is it. The time is at hand. The truth is, none of us know for sure. People throughout history have claimed to know, and they've been wrong. That's the first reason. I'm not going to be that person who we're warned against in verse 8. Here's the second reason. We are told in this passage that creation itself will tell us when we are in the very last days. We won't need a human to tell us. Verse 25, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. The powers of the heavens will be shaken And then they will see the Son of Man coming. Okay? Brothers and sisters, you do not have to rely on human speculation or put yourself in danger of human manipulation regarding the end times. Things will, here's why things will happen that are beyond human manipulation. No human can create signs in the sun and moon and stars. Only God can do that. You don't have to rely on a human to tell you. That's why we're given the example of the fig tree. Anyone can look at a fig tree or any tree and notice when the leaves are coming out and know for sure that summer is near. You yourself will know. You will know because nature will tell you. You won't need an expert, a human, anybody to tell you. Look at his his words. 
Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. You will see it, and it will be unmistakable. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. I have no idea what that's going to look like. God knows. It's in his hands. You'll see for yourself and know that your redemption is near. Creation will tell you. God will make the definitive statement. Okay? That's what's happening. Those are the events. We won't take as long on the next two categories. We'll actually go through them pretty quickly. The next two um, points. The, the next one is just to try to figure out what's required of us. So we see all these things happening. All right. I just took everything I, and put it into one big list. Okay? Here we go. Look at this. Here's what's required of us. They're going to pop up here on the screen. First of all, courage. Verses 9 and 17. That's required. Discernment. Verses 8 and 9. Dependence on God. Verses 14 and 15. Testimony is required of us. Verse 13. Martyrdom may be required of us. That's verse 16. Endurance. Verse 18. Verse 36. Prayer. Verse 36. Strength. Verse 36. Discipline. Verse 34. And finally, self-evaluation. Verse 34. Self-evaluation. Notice, but verse 34. But watch yourselves. I think this one is especially significant because when it comes to like thinking about the end times, our tendency is to be much more concerned with observing events around us and to have no concern at all for self But that, that is the bow that Jesus puts on this whole thing. Like, that's, the, that's his last comment. Watch yourselves. It's directing them not so much to be astute observers of the times, but astute observers of themselves. That's not how we typically approach this subject, to think end times and eyes are outward and what's going on in the world and no eyes directed inward. But Jesus directs our eyes inward, says, be careful that you're not weighed down with drunkenness and dissipation, the cares of this life. And I read this, and I, I don't know that I could have read a more convicting statement, especially being weighed down with cares of this life. I mean, this could be pandemic hangover, but... A lot of us, I think a lot of us in society, even Christian circles, have just gotten used to just kind of numbing ourselves through amusements or through overindulgence on food or alcohol. Kind of get away from the pain and the uncertainty and just try to deal with the pressure of life. And think about going through these terrifying end times events and the strong tendency that we would have toward just trying to numb ourselves from the uncertainty and the shakings and the pain. And Jesus just says, be careful not to do that. And he gives us a a middle way to make it through, and that middle way is called prayer. Prayer is the middle way between fear, on the one hand, and numbing ourselves on the other hand 
Okay, those will be the two strong tendencies if, if we go through these days is lots and lots of fear and, or lots and lots of numbing of self. And it's, it's not to be either. It's to be prayer. That's how we're to deal with the strain of the last days. How does your present practice match up to what Jesus says? Now, let's look at this list again. Let's look at this list of all these things Jesus says are required of us. Now, what are we supposed to do with this list? I mean, how are we supposed to remember everything on here, even this evening, let alone like into the future, and try to like obey this all the way through for who knows how long? So what do we, what do, we do with something like this? How do we maintain an awareness of these things over over time. Well, one helpful thing I think we can do with this list today is just take a good look at it and understand that these are the priorities. Courage, discernment, dependence on God, testimony, martyrdom, endurance, prayer, strength, discipline, self-evaluation. Okay? Understand those are the priorities that Jesus himself sets before us. Other things that are not on this list are not the priorities. Think about what's not on this list. Conquest. Killing. Revenge. Fighting. Revolting. Just understand today that these things are what Jesus desires to see from you. Because here's an example of what could happen very easily to us. Think about... How in a terrifying environment with this shaken social order and a shaken natural order, all these things that we talked about today, other leaders besides Jesus will speak in his name and they will want to play on our natural fears. They will try to take advantage of our natural fears and set other priorities before us than the ones you see up here. And here's how it could sound. Hey, Christian, you're being persecuted. That's not right. They have no right to do that to you. Stand up to them, fight back, use violence if necessary, and don't let them do that to you. Don't let anyone do that to you or your family. You deserve better than that. Now, how does that sound to you? How does that message play in your heart? That might sound okay. That might sound pretty good to some of us. Just one question. Is that Jesus' view on persecution? Look at verses 12 and 13. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. What are you praying for? You ever pray for an opportunity to talk to your neighbor about Jesus? 
You ever ask God to open a door that you might be able to witness for Christ? Here's your answer. This will be your opportunity. In Jesus' view, persecution equals opportunity. This will be your opportunity. Don't let any human leader lead you away from Jesus' point of view on anything. Persecution is to be expected, and it's an opportunity to tell powerful people about Jesus Christ. And the best thing is that in that holy moment, Jesus promises that he will be with you. He will give you a mouth, and he will give you wisdom that they will not be able to contradict. That's how you will win. He will provide the victory in that moment. If that's what Jesus wants to accomplish through you and through me, who are we to pull the reins in a different direction and say, no, I'm not going there? Well, what if we look weak in the eyes of everyone? Like, what if we just look like pushovers that, you know, we never fight back and just appear to be scum of the earth and and weak? Let me just point out to you that the kind of strength that Jesus commends to us is endurance. That's verse 19. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Christian strength is displayed in endurance, not dominance. There's more than one kind of strength. There's the strength of a lion that tears and overpowers and is violent and destroys. That's one kind of strength. But there's also the strength of an oak tree. I don't want to run into an oak tree. Strong. Withstands everything. Every storm. No matter how high the wind, it is there. And it stands, and it stands, and it stands, and it stands, and it stands. Don't confuse the lion with the oak tree. We have a lion. His name is Jesus. We are the oak tree. Endurance. Strength displayed in endurance. That's how Christian strength is displayed. That we stand and we stand and we stand. Immovable in faith in the lion who's coming. He doesn't say, by your resistance, you will gain your lives. Or by your violence, he will gain your lives. By your endurance. Why would a people endure violent treatment for their faith when they don't have to? That's the question that we want everybody to be asking. That watches us. Why would they endure this when they don't have to? We wouldn't. Unless Jesus has said so. We do it for him. Well, that's what's happening. That's what's required of us. This is the last thing. What's the outcome? What is the outcome of all these things? This long and painful road ahead, where does it all lead? We're told here that all this difficulty signals that two very precious things are near. 
When all of this is happening, all of these terrible things, two very precious things are near. Your redemption, verse 28, and the kingdom of God fulfilled on earth, verse 31. Verse 28, when you see these things take place, your redemption is drawing near. Verse 31, when you see these things taking place, the kingdom of God is near. What does that all mean? It means that the very worst things we can imagine immediately precede the coming of the things that we have been longing for. The worst things precede and then give way to the very best things. The tenor of this passage is hope and anticipation. Ladies and gentlemen, this world system that we see around us now is coming to an end. This world system, this sin-soaked world system of pride and violence and destruction and domination, and fear, and oppression, and manipulation, and persecution, and abuse, and neglect, and murder is passing away. This evil world system that we're held in was dealt a mortal wound at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When he rose bodily from the grave, he dealt a mortal wound to this evil world system. A wound that it will not recover from. He reversed the curse that lies over the world and he demonstrated in real time that Satan and death do not have the ultimate power. They could not hold him. He is stronger. He dealt the world a a mortal wound when he rose and this world system is writhing in pain right now and there are terrible convulsions and agonizing screams from the world in in the death throes like it's dying the world system is dying and it's ugly and it's hard but it will die it is passing away The wound has already been given and there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth and a new world system which is the old world system. The original design where the lion lies down with the lamb and swords that have no use anymore are beaten into instruments for farming. The glory of the Lord will fill the whole earth as waters cover the sea and justice will roll down like waters and righteousness and goodness will be like a flooding stream and go everywhere. The world that God created will no longer be called evil. It will be called good, just as God created it. Very good. Let's stand. Father, we we confess by faith that this world is coming and we can't wait to see it. Living in this current world system is hard right now. It's hard to watch. It's hard to experience. It it weighs on us. We do struggle with anxieties and we struggle with fears. And thank you for how this passage lifts our countenance and how Jesus says, straighten up and raise your heads for your redemption is drawing near. We don't have to be afraid. We can look at it with joy because the kingdom of God is near. Life as it was always meant to be. 
And so according to what we have been told, we do pray for the strength to endure, the strength to escape these days, keep our hearts and our minds riveted on your Son. We pray in his holy name. Amen.